Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Vreeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the Curtain Jerkers. I, of course, am talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend is UFC 254, Gaethje Nurmagomedov, a main event everybody has been waiting for. Of course, the main card has also got a bunch of other exciting fights on it. But as you guys know, who frequent this show, we will not be talking about any of those main card fights. Instead, we are entirely focused on the prelim portion. Now, for those of you who might be wondering, why just the prelim portion of this card? Why not talk about this crazy main event? And the answer is real simple. You guys know about this crazy main event. You probably have some other places you go for breakdowns. And, you you know, you probably already have some pretty strong opinions about who's going to win anyway. What you don't know about is a lot of these guys on the prelims, and that's where there's so much money to be made in daily fantasy sports, and if you're just straight up gambling. And speaking of daily fantasy sports and gambling, this episode is brought to you by AJ's Action Pack Sports Bets. You can find AJ at AJ's Action Pack Sports Bets.com. Unlike all those other companies who offer gambling advice, AJ is not just a list of fighters or teams to put money down on each week. Instead, he does so much more than that. When you become a customer of AJ, he offers you not just his picks, but also education that you can use for years to come. And he does that through in-depth breakdowns that are sent right to your inbox for both gambling and DraftKings. It allows you to make informed decisions and maximize your profit week after week after week. And of course, you don't just have to take my word for it. You can check out his extensive record, his past breakdowns, and all the customer success at AJ's ActionPackSportsBets.com. That link is in the show notes. And you can, of course, follow him on Twitter at AJMMABetting. You won't be sorry you did. Now, of course, I've got to have a co-host to break down these fights this week. Joining me today for the very first time, a newbie to the show, Joe McDonough from Cageside Press. Joe, thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely, Dan. It's a pleasure. I love what you do here, and I'm excited to be on. Absolutely. Well, as you guys know, we start every single round by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Stefan Struve versus Tai Tuivasa. Struve, once thought to be a, a title challenger, is now 1-4 in his last fight. His last win was an arm triangle win over Marcos Rogerio de Lima. He seemed to retire after that fight, came back, took about six nut shots, and a loss to Ben Rothwell. Tuivasa himself is on a three-fight skid. It looked like he had probably been released after losing to Junior Dos Santos, Blago Ivanovs, and Sergei Spivak by knockout, decision, and submission, respectively. So obviously neither of these guys on hot streaks, but how concerned are you that Stefan Struve seemed ready to walk away from the sport and then had a really bad experience in that Rothwell fight? Well, I'm extremely concerned. I mean, I think essentially, I think both these guys are fighting for their job in the UFC, um, you know, moving forward. Like you said, Tuivas has lost, um, I believe three straight Struve's one in four in his last five. Um, you know, both guys at one point were, you know, title contenders or, or at least had insane hype behind them. Um, you know, I think that Struve with his size and, and the way he fights, um, his clinch work is going to be troublesome for Tuivasa. Something we've seen with Tuivasa is his cardio has been in question in the past. Um, I think if this stays standing and we see, uh, you know, striking and he can avoid the clinch work from uh, Stefan Struve, I think that Tuivasa could get a KO. But I think if Struve um, puts his game plan forward and, and clinches and wrestles, I think it's going to be a long night for Tuivasa and maybe even a finish for Stefan Struve. Yeah, I totally agree on that. And the thing that interests me too is I wonder if Struve will go back to what he did uh, way back when, when he fought LeVar Johnson, where he started to pull guard and go after submissions that way. Because to be honest with you, I think if, if Tuivasa winds up even in Struve's guard, 
This is over in like 30 seconds. I don't think Tuivasa's defensive jiu-jitsu in top game is good enough to stay away from a submission from, from Struve for very long. Do I think he could take Tuivasa down? Maybe, maybe like you said, like that clinch work is really interesting. If he can tire him out, maybe he gets him down late. But like the, the thing about Struve is being seven foot tall certainly doesn't lend itself to a good double leg or a good body lock takedown against the guy Tuivasa's size, who is very short for the heavyweight division. So I'm sort of interested to see how he decides to get it to the mat and if he he can get it there, because I think it's over the minute it's there. Um, but I guess that brings us to the end of this fight. Who do you got in this fight and how do you got him? So I, I think Struve by unanimous decision. I think that um, I think that he uses his clinch work. I think he uses his wrestling and pulls guard, like you said. Um, I don't know if he gets the finish. I think again, I think it depends on how Tuivasa's cardio looks. But I think Struve kind of just um, uses his game plan and and takes this one to unanimous decision. I'm going with Struve as well here, but I'm going to take him by submission. I'm going to say late because, like you said, I've got questions about that cardio. And that brings us to our second fight, which is Cowboy Oliveira versus Shavkat Rachmanov. Oliveira lost three straight in the UFC, but he has since bounced back with decision wins over Max Griffin and Peter Sabota. Rachmanov is the M1 welterweight champion. Seems like he's been booked a hundred times by the UFC. All of them have been canceled. His last victory was a year ago this past June when he defended that M1 belt. So he's making his UFC debut here. Now, my question for you is about Oliveira. Obviously, we thought about him as a title challenger for a while, too. Then he had that very brutal streak against guys he probably shouldn't be losing to. Do these last two fights against Max Griffin and Peter Sabata make you feel better, being that he won both of them? Or do they make you feel worse, given that how close they were against guys who aren't top 15ers? So, so probably a mixture. Um, I think him getting in the win column just helped him in general. But you're absolutely right. I think, you know, in the Max Griffin fight, you, you can make an argument that he obviously was a split decision. You can make an argument that he lost that fight. Um, you know, and I wasn't overly, um, you know, overly confident in his last win. Um, I think that he's obviously shared the cage with some, you know, legends, you know, Carlos Condit, um, you know, Mike Perry, Gunnar Nelson, Yancey Medeiros, um, and, and I think that one thing that Oliver has done throughout his career is take punishment. And I think he's going to need to do a lot of that if he's going to win um, this fight. Um, Rachmanov is, is explosive. He is, you know, he's had five first round finishes, four of which have been by submission. He's had all, all 11 of his wins um, have come by finish. He's only 25 years old. And, you know, as I was looking through his, um, his history, um, in his amateur career, he was three and two. And those two losses came in decisions. So I think that if Oliveira is to have a, a real chance in this fight, um, it's going to have to be taking punishment and, and obviously also giving some because he's going to need to win the unanimous decision, but maybe taking this to the deep end, um, which he, he has shown he can do against some top competition. But, um, you know, he's going up against a, a very explosive guy making his UFC debut, someone that we've you know heard a lot about out of Kazakhstan for a long time a really, really high, highly touted prospect. And, you know, I think that um, he's going to be looking to make a statement. So Oliver is going to need to, you know, take that punishment and, and give out some if he's looking to win this fight. Yeah, I totally agree. And the other interesting thing about this too is that Rachmanov, his ground game intrigues me here because he's not Gunnar Nelson, right? Like Gunnar Nelson wins a, a rear naked choke over Cowboy Oliveira. But is he better than Max Griffin? Probably in the grappling department. And Max Griffin managed to get Cowboy Oliveira down a couple of times. So, I think if the grappling comes into play here too, even though we're talking about the explosiveness and the striking of of Shavkat Rachmanov, 
I actually think his best avenue here might be to try to get this grounded. So uh, I think there's a couple avenues for him here, but I guess we've come to the end of this conversation, and I got to know who you got and how you got him. So, so in looking at the uh, fight odds too, Rachmanov is is plus one forty right here. That, so, um, for any of you gamblers out there, I think that that is great value there, um, and I think it happens by finish. I like the idea of him grappling and going for a submission too. Um, like I said, Oliveira is a tough guy. He he can go all the way against very explosive guys, but um, you know, I, I just I just think that Rachmanov is looking for a statement win here in his UFC debut um, to kind of continue that hype train that's behind him. Yeah, and I'm going to agree with you here. I think plus 140 is crazy odds for Rachmanov, and I think you better get it early in the week because I think as we get closer and closer to fight day, I think those odds are going to be going down. So I'm in here on Rachmanov by submission, and that's going to do it for the end of our very first round. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with round number two. And this is just a reminder that this show is brought to you by AJ's ActionPackSportsBets.com. That link is in the show notes. One of the awesome things that AJ does for you is that each week he sends you not just his picks, but the pros and cons for each matchup so that you can think about it from a, from a strategic standpoint. Plus, he also sends you his thoughts on DraftKings matchups, which includes things like who's going to be owned more, who's going to be owned less, so that you can pick some of those lesser known guys that you know maybe you heard about on this show that are going to absolutely positively blow up this weekend and win those big jackpots. And it's so important to pick those kind of guys in order to win those big jackpots. So I suggest checking him out at AJ's ActionPackSportsBets.com and make sure to follow him on Twitter at AJMMABetting because you're not going to be sorry that you did. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Daun Jung versus Sam Alvey. Jung, 2-0 in the UFC with a submission win over Kadis Abrigimov and a KO of Mike Rodriguez last December. Sam Alvey, meanwhile, has a four-fight losing streak with losses to Little Nog, Jimmy Crute, Clidson Abreu, and Ryan Spann. So i got to ask you about Sam Alvey, I think, to start. Do we pin this giant losing streak he's got on just the skill of the opponents he's fighting? Or, or do we really got to be worrying about whether or not we're putting a nail in the, the Sam Alvey coffin here? So, so I think I think it's a nail in the Sam Alvey coffin. I think that he's kind of um, been a journeyman for a little while now. Um, obviously, you know he, he's a fun guy. A lot of people love to watch him. You know, smiling Sam Alvey. How can you not love that? Um, but you know, that being said, even though I do think it's kind of a nail in his coffin, um, you know, you look at Ryan Spann, who a lot of people thought was going to dominate Sam Alvey and finish him, and you know that he took that to a split decision. So he's not done yet, and he still can, you know employ his own game plan, a game plan on his opponents. But I do think that, you know, Jung, Jung is a guy that a lot of people have been excited about. He was supposed to fight Ed Herman back in May and then in August. Um, so he's been preparing a long time for this UFC debut. He's got, you know, he's on a 12 fight win streak. K- KOing Mike Rodriguez looks amazing right now. Uh, you know, after Mike Rodriguez essentially um, TKO'd Ed Herman, but, you know, got screwed there with, with the, you know, the, um, the low blow. Um, but you know, he's, he's stopped all but one of his fights. You know, he's been preparing a long time for this debut. And I just, I think that, you know, Sam Alvey's been in the cage with a lot of legends. He, he can take punishment, but I see, um, I see this being a tough night for Sam Alvey. I agree with you here too, but the, the one thing that gives me pause, and especially again, if, if you're thinking about gambling on this one, you know, Daun Jung is coming off as a huge favorite. I've got him in negative 300 where I'm looking right now. The, the thing about Jung at that number though, is that 
the people who are beating Sam Alvey in those fights are guys who are patient and pick their shots, right? Because Sam Alvey is a counter striker. Sam, there's, there's no doubt about it. He loves that counter left hand. That's how he, he makes his money. All of those guys were very patient and sort of drew those counters out on him and made sure they didn't get tagged with him. Dow Jung is a little bit more reckless, which at least makes me, if I'm a Sam Alvey fan, think to myself, maybe, right? Like maybe. And, and I definitely agree with you. I definitely think his best day is past, but I would say Dow Jung is a better matchup for him than some of the people who beat him. So, but I guess that brings us to this point. Who you got in this fight? How you got him? So that, that just one note that I have here right here on my uh, little note card is that, you know, if Sam Alvey can bring this to the deep end, I think Sam Alvey, at, you know, I have him right now at plus 310. I think that's an insane value for Sam Alvey. Like you just said, Jung is an explosive guy. We've never really had to see him go, you know, late into the round. We've seen Alvey take punishment. We've seen Alvey, you know, hit with that counter punch. You know, if we see at this, at this plus 310, I don't hate the Sam Alvey, uh, you know, bet right there. Yeah, I agree with you on that. It, gun to my head, if I got to make a pick on this fight, I'm taking Daun Jung, and I'm probably taking him by by grounded pound or or maybe just laying on him for for three rounds. But if mm-hmm. I'm looking for value in betting, this is definitely a Sam Alvey play. And that brings us to our second fight in the round, which is Nathaniel Wood versus Casey Kenny. Nathaniel Wood is coming into this fight four and one in his last five. He beat John Canstalana. His only loss in there is to John Dodson. Casey Kenny, meanwhile, just beat Hila Alatang early this month. He's also 4-1 in the UFC with only a decision loss to Mirab Dvalashvili, which is certainly no, no slouch right there. So my question for you is that Casey Kenny, an incredibly fun grappler to watch as somebody who loves grappling, seems to have fallen in love with his striking. Is that a problem against Nathaniel Wood? I think it could be. You know, I think, I think that Casey Kenny also um, could get trapped in versus Nathaniel Wood where, you know, looking for that exciting fight. And I think on the feet, Nathaniel Wood's too dangerous. I think, you know, Wood obviously has some great grappling as well, but Casey Kenny's power is in the grappling. You know, he, that that's where he is. He makes his money. And, um, you know, both these guys obviously have lost to top talent, you know, Wood with John Dodson um, and, and Kenny with Devalish Billy. But um, I think that this fight, if, if they grapple, I think Kenny has, has the advantage although I, I do think wood you know can hold his own but if they strike i think it'll be a dangerous game for casey kenny and that that's a big question coming in is you know he has fallen in love with that uh you know he knows the fans love to watch that and he's fighting a guy who's explosive will he look to just trade and engage i don't know if it'll be smart you know now the other question is if kenny can be a little smarter and take this into deeper waters does he have a big advantage there yeah i i kind of agree with you on that and i think he doesn't need to necessarily grapple with, like, reckless abandon and, and, like, just need the grappling to 100% win. But I do think he needs to mix it in enough to make Nathaniel Wood think about it, right? Like, as long as Nathaniel Wood exactly. is like, am I defending this takedown right now? That's when Casey Kenny works the body. That's when Casey Kenny throws that mean right hand he was throwing last fight. So Or mean left hand, rather, that, that he was throwing last fight. So, yeah, I think he's got to mix it up. So I guess this comes to the point where i got to ask you, do we think he mixed it up enough to get this win, or do you think this is Nathaniel Wood's night? So I think this is the toughest one and maybe my favorite fight on the prelims. Um, I think that, like you just said, I think that's, that, that's perfect. If his game plan comes in and he makes him think about the grappling a little bit, but also strikes with him, because, you know, Casey Kenny can strike. He's shown that he has some great striking. Um, if Nathaniel Wood's thinking about that grappling while he, and thinking about that takedown while he's, you know, getting hit, that makes it a much different fight. I think if Kenny just stands 
the whole time with Wood. I think Wood has himself a, a TKO. But I think if Kenny can mix it up, I think he gets the unanimous decision. Yeah, I'm going to go here too, by Casey Kenny, by unanimous decision. I think he mixes it enough to stay safe. And that's going to do it for the end of our second round. We'll be right back with the last two fights as part of our third round. All right, guys, this is just a quick reminder about what subscribers are saying about AJ's ActionPackSportsBets.com. This comes from loyal customer George. George says, I've been following AJ for several months, and he is ultra impressive. But honestly, his winning selections and return on investment are not even the main reasons I follow him. The breakdowns and understandings of matchups are what impress me the most because it can be hard to separate out your emotions and favorite fighters in this fight game. But AJ seems to be able to objectively break down each fight with pinpoint accuracy and not let emotions get in the way. He comes highly recommended in my book. And it's not just George's book that he comes highly recommended in because he comes highly recommended in Gumby's book as well. So I suggest checking him out at AJ's Action Pack Sports Bets. All And we are back with round number three. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Liana Jojua versus Miranda Maverick. Jojua TKO'd by Sarah Morris in her debut, but followed that up with a submission victory over Daniela Velbita by armbar. Maverick, meanwhile, is an Invicta tournament winner, won three fights in one night. And of course, she's coming off of a great decision victory over Pearl Gonzalez back in February. So here's sort of my question for you. We've got this dynamic of a really solid wrestler in Miranda Maverick in somebody who's pretty damn tough off of her back with submissions in Leanna Jojua. Shouldn't Maverick even try to take this to the mat? Or do you think she'd do herself a better service to keep it on the feet? Um, I think she should try to take it to the mat. I think she's going to be, I mean, Miranda Maverick is, is, is a prospect that all of us have been talking about for a long, long time, you know, out of Invicta, you know, a, a breeding ground for female fighters. Um, you know, she, she's just so strong, so athletic. Her, her wrestling is, is dominant. Um, you know, I, I think she does take this to the ground. Um, and I think she takes it to the ground early and, and has her way with it. Um, you know, obviously Joja, um, is, is Georgian. And at, you know, in 2020, I think after last night, um, Georgian fighters are like 10 and 0 in 2020 and, and, you know, have been big underdogs a lot of those times. So the, the value is there to take it. But that fight versus Sarah Morass at, at five and five is, is tough to look at. Obviously, she came back with the armbar. You know, she fought in July. She's fought on Fight Island. She kind of knows the schedule, all of that stuff. But, you know, you can say the same thing about Miranda Maverick, who has been, you know, has, has had her, her fight scheduled since June. Um, and, and that was canceled. So she's been ready. She's been ready for a UFC fight for a long time. I think she's just she's only 23 years old. She's so athletic. She's so strong. You know, she has some great submissions. I just see her um, dominating this one to unanimous decision and just um, just just taking it, taking having her way with this fight. Yeah, I kind of agree with you on that. I don't think JoJo's skills off of her back are good enough to bother Maverick. You know, you mentioned Sarah Morris didn't have a, a problem with it. Sarah Morris is a good grappler, but she even can't hold the candle to what Miranda Maverick can do. She reminds me a lot of Tatiana Suarez in her top game. She's very safe while also very punishing. So, yeah, I definitely agree with you. I'm going to go with Miranda Maverick on this one. I actually think she can get Jojua out of there with either a TKO or a sub, probably in the second or third round. But So that's what I'm going to go with on this one. And that brings us to our very last fight, which is Joel Alvarez versus Alexander Yakolev. So Alvarez lost his debut to Demir Ismagulov. Since then, he's won two straight, TKOing Daniil Bellardo and submitting Joe Duffy in his last fight. 
Yakolev, meanwhile, is 1-3 in his last four. He's only fought twice in the last four years. Those two fights were a win over Alex Da Silva, and then he got beat by Roosevelt Roberts back in, uh, by decision. So my, my question here is that Alvarez, if you look at his lone loss in the UFC, it's to a grapple-heavy top game of a Russian guy. Now, obviously, Yakolev is not exactly Demir Ismogulov, but is that enough of we're looking at a style problem for him that maybe it gives us pause on the prospect here, Alvarez, before picking him? Um, I, I think so. I think um, I, I don't know if I would say pause. I think I think Alvarez. Um, it, it, I mean, Alvarez is one of my favorite fighters on this card. Uh, you know, prospect wise, I'm super excited for him. Um, I have been for a long time. You know, I, I, when when he fought Joe Duffy, I took him um, as a plus two whatever underdog, and and you know made some money on that. I was really really surprised by how those odds came out. Um, he's got you know nine submission wins. He's he's two and one in the UFC. You know, and I think he looks to make that lone loss in his UFC debut you know a thing of the past and go to three and one. That being said, Yakovlev has has you know has fought some of his his resume is pretty tough. You know. I was looking back in his first 15 fights, he had only fought one guy with, uh, with a winning record. So it's a little, it's a little bit tainted there, but you know, then he goes to, you know, he fought Paul Daly in legend two. He fought Damian Maya. He's, you know, he's fought, um, Kamara Usman. He fought Zach Cummings and he'd been able to, you know, and obviously that loss to Roosevelt Roberts looks a little bad now, but he's been able to take fights to decisions. And I think that could be the problem there. I think, like you said, you know, if he chooses to wrestle and grapple a little bit, um, you know, obviously Alvarez is dominant in that in that situation. But if Yakovlev is able to kind of survive, I think we haven't seen Alvarez in the deep waters too too much, and I think that could be where the value is. You know, I I, I think I, I love Alvarez by submission. I think that especially um, you know if it's a plus plus money, I think I think that's what happens. But you're, you're definitely piquing my interest there by saying this could be a little bit of a stylistic problem. Yeah, and it's worth mentioning, though, too, that Yakolev does have five submission losses in his career. But if you look back at those, a lot of those are arm bars, which I, I don't know if that means anything, that he's, like, consistently giving up arm bars. But then, like, you look at Joel Alvarez's record, too. He's got I – don't, I don't know if he's got a single arm bar on his record, right? Like, everything – is a choke for the most part, right? Like, he loves his guillotine choke. He loves his triangle choke. And he's probably got an armbar somewhere back there. But, like, anaconda chokes, bravo chokes. Like, he loves, like, snatching up the neck on somebody shooting a takedown, which is, is possible here against Yakolev, but it does give me a little bit of a hesitation knowing Yakolev gives up the armbar. He likes the choke. Yakolev's never really been choked out. Ah, oh, the positional game makes it interesting. Um, and while I'd love to sit, sit here and chat about that, we haven't gotten to the end of this round, so I gotta ask, who do you got in it, and how do you see this one ending? So, so one thing I just want to add is just also um, Alvarez for the first time doesn't have the he has the reach advantage, but he doesn't have a huge size advantage. You know, when he was fighting Joe Duffy, Joe Duffy's five ten, Alvarez is six three. Both these guys are right around six three. Um, but I'm taking Alvarez by submission. I think he gets this one done, um, and and I especially if that um, prop bet is at plus money, I think Alvarez by submission is a smart move. I 100% agree here. Gun to my head, that's what I'm picking. So if it's definitely a plus money, I'm loving it. I, I'm just like, I, I, the pause is all there for me. So I'm definitely concerned. But that's going to do it for the end of our very third round, our last and final round. We hope you guys learned a little something. 
and we want to thank our sponsors, AJ's Action Pack SportsBets.com. I also want to thank my co-host for this week, Joe McDonough. You can catch him on Cageside Press or MMAProspects.com. Joe, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed myself, and I hope to do it again one time. Thank you.